This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Blank Podcast, the podcast where we look at well-known people's lives, careers, and those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Perry Phillips, and my co-host on this journey of discovery into the wider world of the human condition is Jim. That's beautiful. Yeah. Did you write that as well? Is that just off the top of your head? No, no, it's just off the cuff. I mean, it wasn't particularly that. I liked it. I thought it, was, it right. did, that sounded the most professional intro I think we've done in terms of. Uh, Sounding like a proper radio show. So I think that's whatever you just said then. I mean I've forgotten it already, but I think you should uh <laughs> we should adopt that as our as our intro because I thought that was that was excellent. Well I was thinking it needs some sort of ambient music behind it, perhaps. We could well, we've got the stings from Paul actually. We could make them la- there's one actually yeah. that lasts a bit longer, so you could we could add that in underneath, yeah. Might sound a bit weird. <laughs> uh well maybe that's our thing. The fine line between there's a fine line between wonderfully poignant and And that's actually a line that we cross numerous times most weeks on the podcast. Mainly yeah, the wanky. Exactly, yeah, we, we've got two feet definitely in the wanky camp, I think, which yeah. sounds like a sort of, <laughs> that sounds like Carry On movie, doesn't it? Yeah, Carry On Wanky, wanky Camp. camp. <laughs> um, Anyway, how you doing? Ooh. <laughs> oh, look at oh, you in the wanky cap. Ooh. Oh, dear. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> um, just a good start, strong start. Um, strong start. Very strong. Uh, how am I? Yes, okay, thank you. Good. <laughs> good, good, I'm good. Just, I'm, I'm kind of almost speechless. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm drinking this wonderful drink. I think when we oh. recorded earlier, I told you you should need to get, <laughs> get some of this, and I'm still... Shameless plug, for no reason. Shameless plug for the wonderful Capella, which I was... Uh, a friend of mine got me onto it Capella years nice. ago. When I worked in a toy shop, when I worked in the toy shop, there was a lovely um, lady that I used to work with called Caroline, who I'm very, very fond of. Still keep in contact with her now and again. And uh, I remember she used to buy this 
if she had a hangover. Oh, okay. Hangover juice. Yeah, it was like after, like, because she was the sort of Saturday um, staff. So she worked on a Saturday and she did work in the holidays and stuff. And yeah, if she'd often have a heavy Friday night, she'd come and she'd always buy a bottle of Capella. Now, I don't drink, I'm too total, but whenever I'm feeling a bit like I had a, said to you, I had a bit of a bad night's sleep. Um, just wanted some natural fruit juice. So it's like this kind of cloudy, it's cloudy apple juice. Um, and it's delicious. It's very nice. We get it sometimes. Yeah, I didn't realise it had sort of magical hangover powers. And I do think if you are uh, the manufacturer of a drink of some sort, if you if you market it as a hangover cure, I think you would probably sell millions. I think that would be a very clever marketing tactic. Well, Barocca is a big hangover cure, apparently. Yeah, I've never tried. I've have I tried it? I don't know. I can't. I couldn't say that it particularly. Well, it's just dissolvable vitamins in the that you put. I mean, in the water biggest hangover cure dissolve. is just to not drink. To be honest, that's probably the best. <laughs> probably of course, the best hangover yeah, I mean, cure. <laughs> I mean, I don't ever have hangovers because I don't drink. Like I say, I'm teetotal. But sometimes, if I have a bad night's sleep, it does have the similar kind of feeling of having over. You know, you sort of slightly yeah. unsettled stomach and headache and feel a bit gross. Just, I think it's just gross is the best word to describe it. And so you, you, I mean, I. I take Barocca regularly anyway. Mm. Um, I mean, that's what keeps me in the fine fettle <laughs> that you see. The, 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 the specimen <laughs> that you see before you is a combination of I always of wondered what your, and Capella. Yeah, Barocca, Capella, Capella and um, coconut oil. There we go. The three, um, yeah. the three secret ingredients. Yeah. Um, Do you have a regime in the morning? No, I don't. I need to. I don't really have... I don't have any regime at all. Uh, I just sort of get up. If I remember to sort of brush my teeth before about midday, then I've, that's a good day. Um, then we're gonna, gonna have we're gonna have good a good start. day. Uh, but normally it's sort of get up and and have at least one, if not two, cups of tea. And that because I'm not a morning morning person. I, I'm awful in the morning. I'm really and it's tea, not coffee. Tea. I had coffee this morning actually because I felt particularly bad. But I, I, I'm during the summer summer and spring months, I get particularly hay fevery. So I feel like if I have a coffee, mm. it might sort of blitz the hay fever a bit. I don't. I don't think that's true at all. I take my hay fever mm. tablets and sprays and stuff, but um, yeah, I'm I'm well, bad I was, in the morning, really bad. Mm. Well, I, I was really pleased because I popped down to the wonderful backers this morning, and uh, Namir very kindly could he could see that I was hanging a little bit, and he gave me a free extra oh, shot. Top man, which was very kind. Of backers, him. we are so going to I, do a, I, a live an episode there at some point, won't we? Absolutely, yeah, that will definitely are. happen. Uh, I would say it's the official coffee shop of the Blank Podcast. Of kings, of kings, and yeah. queens, and queens, just, or just just yeah. just legends in general. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh man, but yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good in the mornings. But um, yeah, I've never have been, never have been. To be honest, I never really no. used to have breakfast. That's been a, that's a new a new thing for me as well. So I don't eat breakfast. It's, it's supposedly breakfast. really important I, for you to do so. So I sort of force myself. Well, to it it. I uh, here's a contradictory <laughs> argument for the non-breakfasting. I'm quite into, or recently I've got into, and I've spoken to quite a few people about this. Is the intermittent fasting? So you have your meal. You, say you have your last meal of the day around seven, eight o'clock in the evening. That's the last time you eat. You then don't eat again for sixteen hours later. So you have sixteen. So you have an eight-hour window of eating, um, and apparently your 
the benefits of it is there's a lots of shell uh, cell regeneration oh, okay. during that time um and you allow your stomach as well to process all the food because we're we're very much and it's a west uh, maybe a western culture thing we just keep yeah eating, oh yeah i do definitely. you know and we're going from one f one meal to the next kind of thing very very rapidly we eat a lot of carbohydrates so it's a way of allowing our bodies to process the thing you get better bacteria being formed and yeah cell regeneration so it's, it's a it's supposed to be a good thing so i'm kind of dabbling in it a little bit so I don't tend to have breakfast. I probably will, won't eat till midday. Sometimes maybe one, two o'clock in the afternoon will be the first sort of oh. food. I have not heard that theory before, but it intrigues me. Uh, I probably used to actually practice it without sort of realising in the past. But yeah, uh, I try now to have... We're quite regular, actually. We're actually quite regular with our meals in terms of breakfast, lunch and dinner. We have to have our lunch and dinner quite early because of, of the bubba. But... Um, mm. Yeah, I probably used to do that back in the day. Uh, I, can't, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you if I feel better or worse for it now. <laughs> I also generally feel well, a bit terrible the, most days. Apparently, one of the primary advantages of it is that because your body's burning lots of fat, fat and stuff, it's burning the crap stuff during this process. It allows your mind and brain to be more alert. And you get more focus. You're not feeling because, like, sometimes you've got heavy food, or you have, you know, your foods. The digestive process is really full on for your body. Yeah. yeah. So it using using up a lot of energy. So actually, you feel because you're not because it's you've given your body time to process the food. You're actually you're more energetic. That's the thing. Well, that would anyway. be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I wonder if any of our listeners do. You know, get in contact if you've. Mm. Uh, if you've dabbled in that, it'd be nice to see if it's, uh, yeah, worked out for people. And, an, and another thing that a lot of people have been doing recently uh, to keep their physical and mental health and well-being up is this cold water swimming, which love brilliantly brings us on to our guest <laughs> Beautifully today, done. Ricky Stone, Beautifully who's a wonderful, uh, uh, who is um, who's really into it. And that's the thing we talk about at the beginning of the pod is the cold water swimming. And obviously we've had the wonderful Wim Hof on the podcast now vicky is not um an acolyte of wim hof she's just uh it's something that she enjoys doing has been doing for quite a long time by the sounds of it and yeah. um yeah we'll find readily find a local stretch of water to go and plunge into and she finds that's really helpful yeah again not something i'd really come across before but uh i mean she was she sort of swears by it um so it's probably one of the things that again much like with with uh whim i will say yeah i'll definitely try a cold shower and then never do it um yeah. but uh interesting yeah very interesting that that's how we sort of kicked off our chat with vicky wasn't it but it was mm. um it was a great chat that went to many many different places as some of our chats often tend to but uh this one i mean i was getting advice on my solo show which, which is this week by the way um which is terrifying um so that was, but very lucky to get advice from someone you know very experienced in that, in that realm. Uh, I would say I would say I probably had the uh, out of all the episodes we've ever done, the sort of closest I've had to a sort of mini meltdown. <laughs> I think I, I thought I think I went. Do I you think, think it went was a bit far, weird on this episode, <laughs> particularly around the bit where I was talking about uh, my live show? I feel like I went a little bit sort of weird. Well, I think it's fair to say that you obviously. It's playing on your mind. 
Yeah, it is massively. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're recording this a few and, weeks and, before, and, aren't we? And so I'm, um, yeah, it's definitely playing on my mind. So you're in the midst of creating it, yeah. which is, you know, you're kind of really in the, yeah, in the thick of it. Yeah, the problem, the problem is I just don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> I just, I, I feel a little bit sort of lost, but it was useful getting some advice from Vicky and uh, I'm not really sure whether there is a, anyone knows what they're doing or there is a right or wrong way. I think you just, you just, you just do what you do and see how it comes out. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's, it's literally this week. So, uh, you know, hopefully people are going to come along and watch it. Um I mean, I'm saying this a few weeks in the past. This would be interesting to see how I feel about it on the actual week. Hopefully, more confident. Yeah. I know. I'm, I know. I'm desperately looking forward to getting back on stage. So that'll be that'll be enjoyable. Yeah. So We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, it's definitely sort of performer or almost create creativity anxiety in a, in a way a little bit. But mm. um, yeah, v- Vicky is. I mean, she's very funny on this episode, but also the, there is some good advice in there for sort of creative mm. blanks and stuff. So it's. Uh, yeah it's a good episode yeah and i think there's a i feel like vicky's quite an assured person now i know there's probably been you know there's been difficult moments along the way as well but it felt like she was very comfortable in her own skin and you know obviously really loves what she does and is enjoyed pursuing different kind of creative projects and obviously she's working on a very different kind of creative project than she's done in the yeah. past obviously she's been a stand a stand up and doing musical comedy and now she's working in theater and writing musicals and you know it's obviously she's a trained classical musician she's you know very very talented and has, can play all sorts of instruments um but it was really interesting hearing how you know she sort of has jumped between these different things Obviously, she's done tv as well and she's some great anecdotes about some of yeah. her tv yes yeah. <laughs> including the one with James Galway. Oh, yeah. Artist. <laughs> we need to actually find that and tweet it out. And you, you'll hear more about that in a minute. But, um, yeah, we need to probably tweet that out when the episode goes out. Yeah, lots of great stories from Vicky. So uh, really, really appreciate her coming on. And of course, some bonus content mm. at the end. If you are one of our patron of members, and there's an extra question with Vicky, which is a fantastic anecdote very yeah. funny um and you can hear that if you go to patreon.com forward slash blank podcast uh and sign up to pretty much any of the any all but one of the the, lo- the bottom tier and uh you will get that mm. bonus content right now and i would recommend it as you get for all our episodes at the moment we're doing lots of bonus content it's yeah. very fun actually isn't it getting these and actually some of the best it, it turns out to be the best bits <laughs> you're yeah. kind of like oh no you're like oh that yeah. would be good if it would be in the main one but actually this sign up for it's the uh, yeah weirdly our really guests are stuff. saving their best bits for the patrons which is great <laughs> but that's nice we like to reward you know we love our patrons so Absolutely. we like to reward them with with good content so please yeah. do sign up there and if if you are in the brighton area and you fancy coming to see my show this week uh i don't know if there are tickets available because we're recording this about eight weeks in advance but um well, you just hang around outside and wait for... To see what happens. I think most people do during him. fringe shows. Anyway, they do sort of wander and venue to venue and hang out. Mm. But anyway, jimdailycomedy.com forward slash... You've got one of those kind of um, ear horns, you know, like the old-fashioned hearing aids back in the 80s, yeah. kind of 19th century. What, and stood outside? You know, like the, just like a big horn. You put against the wall? To, yeah, you could just put it on a yogurt cot, pot or something. Stand outside the pub and you do that. You could have one person inside with a yogurt pot yeah with a string and then the other person could be outside i mean it's five pound a ticket Charles. i'll be honest I, that sounds like <laughs> a lot of effort to avoid paying five pounds so 
And I'm just thinking for those who weren't able to get in. Well, it's it's uh, the venue. I think can be extended at the back, the seats and stuff. So I'm sure there'll be plenty of. I've only half made it available, half sold at the moment because of distancing. But uh, okay. I'm, if 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 you want to buy a ticket now, it's jimdailycomedy.com forward slash gigs. Love, which would be would help my anxiety. Um, and if you want to wander in on the day, then please do as well. I'm sure you'll be able to do that. So uh, yeah, be good to see you there. Groovy. Um, before we dive into today's pod, Jim, I've got some lovely messages on the Twitter. Lovely. Go for it. Yeah, I've got one here for Matt Davis. Matt talking about the Henry Winter episode, which was a great episode. And he said, uh, this is brilliant, but Henry Winter saying he's not a particularly good writer, question mark, I beg to differ. In my opinion, he is a brilliant writer. Um, I agree with Matt. Henry is a brilliant writer. And um, yeah, he was very self-deprecating about his abilities. Um, but I think he's an excellent, excellent writer. Probably one of the greatest football writers in the country i would say he is uh, he is the daddy the daddy of uk football journalism i would say and but but very humble very humble about his abilities which uh, yeah, is yeah. actually a bit of a theme sort of across our guests when they come on but uh, yeah thank you matt for that tweet that's lovely and thank you henry for being wonderful um i've got a slightly different review it's uh it's a review of our book uh blank ah. why it's fine to falter and fail how to pick yourself up again available pretty much everywhere this is an amazon review uh, and this review is from ania marsh it says, okay, five stars, so thank you very much. Okay, I'm a busy person. I've literally no spare time on my hands. I know how you feel. So reading books takes me a bit longer than this one, than it should, except this one. This one I read in one night. Wow. I could not put it down to the annoyance of everyone who required my attention. It's absolutely brilliant. Thought-provoking, but not in a heavy way. I must read and reread and reread. Definitely five stars. Wow. What a lovely review. Aww. Thank you so much, Anya. That's lovely. Oh, Anya's great. She, I... I know Anya from Twitter, and it's very lovely that she's done that lovely review. Yeah, she's that's, great. That's lovely. Really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, and so if you are enjoying our book and you bought a copy, then please do leave us a review. Um, we'd really, really appreciate it. And if you haven't bought it yet, then and you like the pod, please do, because it's, it's an extension of the pod and sort of very similar. Absolutely. It's, it's a companion to the pod. It is. I've got one more I'd like to read out, Jim. It's from Zoe Rushton. She says, I've been listening to these in no particular order. Just plucking out ones I fancy, and they're so damn good. Blank pod. They feel so natural, personal, and honest. And then hashtag podcast recommendations. Thank you so much, Zoe, for that. That's a wonderful message. Brilliant. Thank you, Thank you very much, Zoe. Um, I think we should crack on with this week's episode. We've been waffling on way too long. I was actually thinking we were quite like, succinct this, like our... this week, but we're probably not. No, 17 no, we're minutes. Not. No, this so is we're like... not at all. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and we've been talking about cold water swimming and... Um, what else do we talk about? Laser stuff. Too much. Yeah, stuff. let's just let's just end end us, yeah. and we'll go into uh, this. Well, this is the one and only Vicky Stone uh, on the Blank Podcast. Let's go back to this cold water thing. Do you go swimming in the sea, a lake? Depends what I can. Depends what I can rivers. find. I mean, Puddles. there was a weird part of lockdown. So I really like cold swimming under all through the winter. I, you know, I sometimes wear a wetsuit, sometimes depending on how like hard ass I'm feeling. And uh, up until up until January, I was living in the Peak District. So we, there were so many like bodies of water to choose from. I just just yeah, get in the. 
getting the Derwent at various points. Uh, but um, there's there's loads. I'm members of loads of like wild swimming Facebook groups, and just during the pandemic, when we weren't allowed to go out, people just started posting pictures of themselves in the wheelie bins, and I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm just not. I'm just not going to fill up the bin. Like I don't need it that badly. That sounds more like a, like a Facebook challenge, you know. People do this like the wheelie bin challenge or something but could it, be a thing. It just really wasn't. I was like, "What are you? What are you doing? Like, what are you getting the bath? Why are you filling up your bin?" Yeah, yeah. Did they? Is it the need to do it outside? I guess maybe it's just I, that. I don't know, but I'd really like to question whether you need something that badly that you're going to clean out yeah. the bin, fill it with cold water, somehow get in the bin, like yeah. Yeah, how do you get? Because they're they're t- they're quite they're Yeah, I mean, I'm five two. I I don't think I could get in a bin without assistance. So what you do? You get in your partner, you know, yeah. to help you get. I mean, steps up somehow. And they're obviously they're going to question. They are going to question your decision. It's well. like, what? Why yeah. are you cleaning out the bin, love? It's, it's January. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a very good reason. Well. You'll find out in a minute when I yeah. ask you to lower me in. Well, <laughs> well, I live right by the sea, so I'm. I live um, in Seaford, right on the south coast, in between Brighton and Eastbourne. And um, every day, you know, I sometimes go running down the seafront and there's a, two groups of people now that are doing cold water mm-hmm. swimming in the sea. And they've got these these dry robes, which yeah, look amazing. I've I've, I just want to get get one to just wear around the house. There's, there's loads of, um, there's loads of like wild swimming, wild, wild swimming is amazing articles online, but nobody tells you a, the amount of money that you could spend on gear, and B, the amount of faff. Like, there's so much yeah. kit involved, especially in winter, there's so much kit involved in getting in cold water that it's a real, like, it's just there's just so much stuff. And these big these big changing coats are, are one of them. They help, they help you keep your dignity yeah. by the side of the water. So what... Yeah. They look really cosy. What do you cozy. need, though? Do you, I guess you need a changing coat. That sounds essential. A towel. Do you need anything else? What gear? Uh, yeah, well, it depends how long you want to stay in the water. So if you want to actually have a swim in the winter, you're going to need uh, some form of wetsuit. I tend to wear a shorty. I can't be bothered with the faff. There's so much faff. And also, I've gained a bit of weight, so they're really hard to get on in public. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, nobody wants to see you, like, struggling to try and get your wetsuit that you could get into a year ago. And I'm not buying a new wetsuit. It's a really... It's a ridiculous purchase anyway. So to have to get a second one because you've got too fat for it is ridiculous. So they're just they're just a real like they're just they're such an undignified item that I tend to try and avoid wearing them. So I'll wear two pairs of neoprene wetsuit socks because it's the feet that get really cold and stuff on uh, your hands. Yeah. And then I've got this like changing bag, which is like a mat, but it's also a bag. I, I, look, I, I've sold that online. Uh, it's, it's a good item, but. I, um and then what else i got a bubble hat that's essential if you you don't want to put your head under in winter uh toe float um i guess i yeah so i go swimming by myself a lot which they do say you really shouldn't but you know i go swimming by myself a lot Mm. so i tie this buoyancy aid around my waist okay (laughs) all of these items help me look really attractive (laughs) 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 but you feel it gives you that that extra, what, what in, in percentage mm. terms, what? How much of a percentage better are you physically and mentally for doing uh, it? Do you think? 
much better. Um, it's it's uh, my other half. My if I get in, if I get a bit stressed out, my other half calls it nature's hosing. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like nature's equivalent of hosing you down in the garden. And so yeah, I do feel much better. Like this week, I spent two. I'm I'm working on some products at the moment that need um collaboration, and we're collaborating on Zoom, and it's. It's. I think I spent two, like six or seven hours on Zoom per day, and mm. that's much more exhausting than doing it in real life. Because I think there's something about Zoom how you've also got your own self there, so like you're you're talking to people and you're thinking, but you've also got aware of yourself and how you come across. And we don't have mm. those thoughts, I think, in real life yeah. about constantly having our own appearance like reflected back at us. And I find it really tiring. So yeah, I just yet like last night went swimming, did half an hour around this lake and it was really really nice yeah the, the, that, the zoom thing is weird like why is there not an option to because i'm i've got hay fever so i'm really aware that i'm touching my eye quite a lot during mm. this interview which probably makes me look a bit weird but why, why why can't we why can't i turn off myself but then not for you guys that would make way more sense i think you can i think there are options for it um but i think we're all just so i just think we've all become really aware of like this this little box i've done it you've done it You're hide, off. hide self you yeah yeah. Can't see myself. Mm. Now I'm really paranoid about what I Exactly. Know. Now you're because really everybody yeah. else can see you. Yeah. God, look at the state of Jim's room. I know. And his hair. None of that on purpose. That's all on purpose. <laughs> um, yeah, Zoom is tiring. Zoom is really tiring. I think it's all right in like bursts. And I think there's lots of things that I think will stay. Yeah. I hope lots of the meetings that I used to like travel around town for and that would take you half a day actually just stay on Zoom because, um, you know, there's, there's a great, you know, it's environmentally much better not to have to get on a train and go and drive to do these things. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, the elements of it, like trying to be creatively collaborative with other yeah. other writers and stuff on a zoom platform is incredibly difficult because also you don't have conversations like you would naturalistically so like trying to like you know we keep on like putting our hands up when we want to speak and it's 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 weird yeah it does sound that does mm. sound weird are you, are you are you are you someone that likes collaborating we talk about this on the podcast quite a lot that the pod sort of came out of collaboration is that something you enjoy doing yeah, it is. Um, I am doing a form of collaboration that I've never done before at the moment. So I'm part of a bit of an experiment. So I'm part of a theatre writers room, and we're all like we're all employees, I guess. We're all like instead of normally in theatre, you get paid and you get uh you get asked to write a specific project, you get a commission, and so you get just asked to write a play, and maybe you'll write that by yourself, or maybe you'll write it with one other person, Matt, or maybe two other people. But what's happening with this particular with this particular job is that we're actually just employed two days a week, and we're, we're, we're in, a, in a group, and there's a group of six of us, and we're working on a production of Alice in Wonderland, which is opening in Manchester in July, and we're writing it as a six, and I think it's made doubly hard by the fact that we're doing the majority of the of that collaboration on Zoom, mm. which is really tough. Mm. Um, but it's an interesting experiment because TV is often written in writers' rooms with large amounts of people, and it's really normal. But it's not normal for theatre. Theatre becomes a really like lone, like one person's pursuit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas telly, the play yeah, exactly, exactly. And I don't. And so, so this is yeah. this is. Um, this is theatres experimenting with, I suppose, television writing form. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've not heard of that before, doing 
like live performance theater being by six like by that. six people it's not yeah. it's not the norm and and uh, bar the zoom aspect of it and the difficulties and challenges of that has it been enjoyable in you know the actual creation yeah definitely because i think when i do what i do for a living you often just by yourself and you write something you hand it over and go this is what i've done and i suppose with this is that you're <laughs> you're actually sharing uh you're sharing that with other people so you've got a little team and i'm not used to working in a team that feels as permanent as this like you you, you get put together mm. with other collaborators but we are in the first instance going to be working together for 18 months which is wow. uh, across mo- across multiple projects and it's a contract not based on a particular show it's just we are working for this company um which is the which is uh not really the done thing in theater Mm. I mean, I'm intrigued to see how it, it turns really out. Yeah, I, I am too, and I think uh, there's a there's the, we're certainly feeling the pressure because our first production has come around sooner than I think we thought it would. Sorry, my dog's barking. Um, Don't worry. As we keep saying, we are building the car whilst we're driving the car. Yeah. So do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we we are le- learning to work together whilst we're actually on a job that has that has a much quicker deadline than the normal theatre does anyway. So we're on a we're on a tight turnaround. Yeah, learning to learning to do the job. Yeah, are you feeling that pressure a little bit with that? With yeah, a little bit. Um, also because I think there's a lot of pressure. I think there's going to be a lot of it. It's very high expectations. I think because you know, to the to the outside world, the arts have just been sat around on their ass for a year, <laughs> and surely we'd have come up with something good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's actually not. Do you know what I mean? That's actually not the case. I think that I think that people in the arts have spent. Certainly me, but the reason why I got this job is because this time last year, I was absolutely shitting myself and just tried to get as much work as possible. And like, I can't really say this without swearing, but I threw a lot of shit at the wall, uh, which is what you do in mm. the arts, isn't it? You, 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 you just keep pitching to people and that's what I did. And, and so I'm lucky that I'm in this position now where a number of those things landed more actually percentage wise more than I thought would so i've actually got loads of stuff to write you're like i've got this great idea it's like i don't know whether it's great but it's an idea and then someone goes oh okay yes we'll have that and you go oh (laughs) um, oh fuck i gotta do it now i know i was like oh god that was just a that was just a paragraph no yeah wasn't actually that great an idea now you want a 90 minute musical out of it fuck But it's funny because Jim, you were talking about that before we we jumped on with Vicky, weren't you? About you know we were talking about yeah. hustling as as a big thing, but also you know you were saying about pitching loads and loads of stuff to different people and and things never sef- not necessarily kind of coming off. Well, yeah, but, um, just that fact that that is a full time job, just sending stuff out and pitching. Yeah, well, it's just constant, isn't it? It's just it never seems to stop, and it's just it's really tiring. And then you re- you, re- you really didn't get the time to actually do the thing you've pitched or someone says yes and then you've got to actually like write it i don't i find like organizing time for myself during the day so difficult so i had i had like an hour this morning i was supposed to be like working on a project and by the time i'd got up answered an email done something else and got distracted by something else the time had gone and i didn't actually like sit down and actually write on the thing i wanted to write about then i got really anxious about it and then giles and i jumped on i talked about feeling anxious about that and the hustle and stuff and half an hour later we're here we are like the, the days just yeah. they just fly by it's really hard sometimes to sit I down use and something do the thing called, um, i use this it's called various different names but it's the tomato technique or pomodoro technique have you ever heard of that 
No. Uh, it's, no. You, I've got a little app on my computer, and there's some thinking. And I certainly have. Uh, I have attention problems, and um, and oh, me too. It's this. It's this little app. It's a tomato timer, and it's in the. The theory is twenty five minutes on, five minutes off. On you know, and, and that's it. And you have, and if the ticker is going, like you say, and I write, I write down right. I would like to do like four tomatoes on this particular show today. And so when when I start that timer, if anything else tries to take my attention, I don't. I'm like no, twenty if in because everything can wait twenty five minutes. Yeah. Everything there is nothing that can't wait twenty five mm. minutes. And then you've got that five minutes to check your emails, be distracted, be pulled in another direction. So yeah, I can re- recommend that a lot. Uh, I, I'm gonna write the Pomodoro technique sounds more tomato, exotic than the but the app that I, the, the app that I've got is called to, the, the, Pomodoro. The, uh, Pomodoro. I think that means tomato. Actually, I'm not sure. Um, and then I think it does. But the but the app I've got is called Tomato One, <laughs> and it's tomato and it's just a, literally a timer in the shape of a tomato. I've got no, I've got no idea what it's got to do with tomatoes. <laughs> but it's just <laughs> no. But, but people it's a good, use it's a good branding, time isn't it? back in the day or somehow or something. It's... I don't know. I don't know. But I find it really, really good because it's just like right, twenty-five minutes, and that's a really manageable length of time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I... and then I say I say four tomatoes I, I... rather than two hours. That's much better. <laughs> Way more oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. It is four tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already into this. I already want to start yeah. writing something. Yeah, I like it that. Also, yeah. It also helps yeah. you move forward on multiple projects because that's what I at the moment I've got loads of things. It's like I, I actually can't, uh, I actually can't start one and start the other. Like I need to move forward every day. Mm. So it's like if you do a few tomatoes on a project every day, that eat, you know, they all progress. <laughs> um, yes, twenty twenty. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I sorry. Now, Jim, I was just going to say, I often describe my brain when I sort of say to my wife, like. I'm like you probably got an attention. I'm probably probably slightly ADHD when I was particularly when I was a child. I think I knew I was probably a bit like that. And I always describe it as those multiple tabs on a computer. My brain's a bit like that. And I'm just flicking between the, the tabs, just constantly flicking, you know, never quite finishing one thing. Might start an email, do a line. Oh, look, there's something much more interesting on this tab and flicking over, you know, and that's my brain's a bit like that. Um, and so that sounds like perfect kind of solution for me like doing something like that what, um what's the most amount of tabs you guys have ever had open on your on your laptop i have a terrible habit have I got open of at keeping the moment? them open for a really long time Same. like months me too. yeah like forever <laughs> well i have like i have i have i i keep things open and think i will get to that <laughs> and it'll be something like a comedy competition that like ran out last month or something but i think i need to keep that just in case just in case and then my laptop will shut down and i've like the batteries it's old it needs to be replaced and it'll be like you lost your tabs and i will feel devastated that i've lost these tabs i've kept open for ages which probably don't mean anything but there's something about keeping it live and there mm. i sort of need it even though i don't but then if you look at the tabs you get really overwhelmed like i've currently yeah. got nine tabs open and i'm thinking about cl- closing about the them now me, half think. of them are emails literally five of them are just different email accounts i don't I've got nine as well, Jim. I don't need what, them open, do I? Why I've I got nine. I've got nineteen. Yeah, you win. Oh, okay, you win. you're way yeah. worse than okay. that. And it's an absolute <laughs> collection of shite. I mean, it's not a some medication for the dog. I need to remember to order. <laughs> like, All right, what's the most random tab you've got open? Let's have a look. Uh, uh, 
I've got one here. I've got one here for some American radio show, WBUR, Endless Thread, which is like a podcast about uh, Reddit threads. But I've got it open on the Buy the Endless Thread Socks page because I thought they were quite nice socks. So I've actually got the page of a local uh, exercise class called Clubber Size. <laughs> I nice. actually went. I actually went to Clubber Size on oh, did Wednesday you? on a whim. Yeah, it, I've just moved and I don't really know anyone. I'm sorry, my dog is my dog is going okay. absolutely berserk, but he's no, it's fine. He heard the word Clubber yeah. Size. And uh, that's, uh, Vicky, my, that's my wife has been. We have a clubber size here. My wife has been to it oh. before, and uh, I've got official clubber size merch for you right now. Have Are you, you ready? I was. I, I wanted to buy some. Instantly. I need. Oh, I can't actually see myself, so I don't know if I'm going to have it on. Oh, show self. Here we go. Okay, are you ready? Have you got the glow sticks? Yeah, you've got the glow sticks. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was. You know what? It was tremendous fun. Yeah, apparently Even, it's really good. Was it? Yeah. It, I mean, the, the weirdest bit about it is that it was, it was outdoors and it was light, um, but. This so this is a so I I've moved recently I don't know don't know anyone where, where I live so I felt like the time was now to start to meet people so I thought clubber size I'm bound to I'm bound to meet place. like-minded people <laughs> at clubber size fellow glow stick fans um I never never been before uh but it was um they they they're not allowed to have the class in the village hall or wherever they normally have it um so somebody with quite a lot of money that also goes to the class has let them use his tennis court so this so so clubber size happens (laughs) on the tennis court of somebody with loads of money and it's just all these people like all these women it's it's just this it's this bloke's house and he's got all these i mean maybe it's all a a tremendous (laughs) i see on an umpire (laughs) just overlooking watching like <laughs> like yeah, a DJ. Watching his tennis court full of full of the thirty plus and the jazziest <laughs> leggings you'll find in Essex, yeah. Wow. So is it just dancing then? Is or it just what? Is it structure is it is it just dancing? Or is it, I, is it more I wouldn't structured? call what I did dancing. Um, I, I think it's what it says on the website. Uh, and I'm, I was glad there wasn't mirrors, I think is all I can say. <laughs> But I was I was having it, and I, and I my Apple Watch told me I burned a lot of calories, so that's all that matters. It sounds yeah, great, it actually. Fun. Yeah. So why have you got the tab open? Is that because you're going to go back? That's because I don't close tabs. <laughs> so that, was, that, that has been there since I decided to go on Wednesday, so I can close that now. And I can, that can get down to eighteen. Hey, there we go. We're making progress. <laughs> hey, we're going to yeah. get down here. We're going to get them down to nine by the end of the by the end of the podcast. Um, going back to your childhood, obviously you're trained. You're a trained musician, a classical yes. musician. Um, what age did you start playing, and was it what was it piano? Yeah, that you I started playing started really young. It? I started playing, I think, when I was maybe four or five. Um, my parents, I, my parents didn't have a clue, but there was a piano in the house, and I and it was out of tune and terrible. But I just started to play it as a kid, and so they were like, "Oh, we should get lessons." And they didn't really know where to get lessons from. So my dad asked the bloke that played the piano in the pub. Um, and so, th- so he didn't read music, but the bloke that played the piano in the pub taught me to play the piano at first. Oh, wow. Um, oh, yeah. amazing. Was it like... Yeah, it was. Like the, first, and... the first thing I learned to play was the theme tune from Lawrence of Arabia on one hand. <laughs> Like, oh, like with one finger. Da, 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 da. I mean, why? I don't know. 
But I also don't think this. I don't think this piano teacher. Or he wasn't a piano teacher. I don't think he knew what he was doing. I think but he was. Was yeah. that like his go-to, his best tune that he played one-handed, one-fingered? Was that his thing? <laughs> no, I, I just, I just don't think he knew what. Don't, I don't think he knew how to, how to teach, like mm. how to teach and how to teach a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, that, uh, that, that, that moved on to uh, my mum then. Uh, sensibly approaching like the local county music service <laughs> and, it was, and than, it was that guy again oh not you yeah, rather than my dad rather than my, my I mean my dad was very much a sort of like everything gets solved in the pub you know it was it was one of those one of those sort of like you know every piece of furniture everything came from somebody that knew someone in the pub it was it was that sort of childhood <laughs> I know that childhood yeah. well as well so yeah, so when you started doing proper lessons, did you obviously you started to progress? Did you feel at that time that it was something that you yeah? Were, well, weirdly, would see I in the future that not the piano, but I I don't know why, but I I asked for a violin for Christmas one year. I think I was about six. I asked for a violin for Christmas, and every parent parents like well, I don't I don't <laughs> think my mum really knew either. I think there was a sense of okay, and she went she went yeah. into this music shop. Uh, in, in, in rugby in Warwickshire she went into this music shop really clueless asking to buy a musical instrument and this woman went oh I'm a flute teacher buy your daughter a flute <laughs> and my mum and my mum was just swayed and so like this it's woman became my flute teacher and my mum bought me a flute and I was like and I don't think I you can play the Play the pink but I didn't even know too. what Come flute on. was. I was like, "Thank you, like this is my Christmas present." Like, cheers. Uh, but then I became a really, really good flute player really quickly, and I don't know what it was, but I just became a great flute player and was then, you know, national children's orchestra and wow. yeah, it was just. But then was I like, became an orchestral flute player, but like by accident because this woman in this shop went, "Buy your daughter a flute." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's such like. She could have been she she could have been a saxophone te- teacher player or she could have been I don't know a drummer. You could have yeah. your career could have gone. She, I mean, she was a hustler. She was just getting pupils. <laughs> yeah, she, she was making people commission on yeah. flutes. Is yeah, she's this correct. woman that hangs around in this music shop making people buy flutes. Yeah, the the flute skills in rugby at that time were through the roof. The number of kids yeah. that could play flute, absolutely amazing. Yeah. The local Jeffro Tull fan that's that's just desperate for people to love the flute as much as they do. But yes, yeah, so I ended up I ended up at I ended up at a specialist music school. It's really interesting because my fiance has exactly the same childhood because he ended up at a different specialist music school, but at the same same it had you know same sort of uh, oh, cool. one of the other ones on the drums. Wow! So we both we both had we both had incredibly similar similar childhoods. And do do you think? Do you think you would have excelled at whatever instrument that random lady chose? Do you think it was just kind of in you? Uh, yes. I mean, lots of it was because of my mum. So my mum was very much, didn't, wasn't clued up about the actual thing, but was very much, if we're paying for lessons, you have to practice. Mm. And so, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of that. I did a bit of, at the same time, I did a bit of like, like dance classes and the performing artsy type Saturday classes. They, I wasn't so taken by them. Um, and the flute was flute became the thing. And then I joined like wind bands and flute choirs and, you know, a lot of their really cool places to, to meet like-minded, you know, flute choir. <laughs> Warwickshire County flute choir. Um, 
Yeah, with all the cool kids. Yeah. And yes, and just ended up doing stuff like that at the weekends. And, and then it became like my mum was like driving me around the country to do all these, you know, national level stuff. You know, sort of thinking back now, like every, every, every single half term after I was about 11 was on something like... A, a, a you know national youth wind band national children's orchestra national youth music theater something something along those lines i was being driven to um and they you know they made huge sacrifice huge personal sacrifices yeah. um to, to get it all i mean i've still got uh i had i had a i, I when i went to music school i had one of i think they give out something like 16 per year and it's weird because my fiance also had one of these but not in the same year because i'm a bit i'm a couple of years older than him but he, uh, we, they're government funded, so it was part of something at the time called the Music and Ballet Scheme, where they gave sixteen people fully paid for places at these specialist music schools. So I think it's crazy to think that both him and I, yeah. out of the you know, out of the amount of yeah. people, and considering we met, considering we met on a pantomime, um, <laughs> um, yeah. So we had the we had these fully funded places, which did mean actually it was incredibly difficult to have the stuff that I needed as well. So like the the level of flute that I needed was really hard for my parents to buy me. I've still got it now. Um yeah. I, I I don't think I could ever sell it because it was such a you know such an expensive item and and I have not I have absolutely no idea how they did it. I have no idea. I think my grandma actually I know I do remember my grandma gave my mum the money and there was a post it note on the fridge of my mum chipping away at it. Oh you know? really? Wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I know, and, and I know that 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 was at the expense of holidays, or you know, I know that that was at the expense of their own their own stuff. Which yeah, you, you don't realize that as a kid, do you? That's no, you don't. I, I don't. I don't think. You, I don't think. No, and and especially to to try and you know, knowing that if I was going to be good at this, it it was sort of shit or bust. Really, it was either we go at we we go absolutely all in, and it was at that point, you know, it's like right because I I I. This that lovely flute teacher, I sort of outgrew her. So I then st- I, I had flute lessons. I, there was no one in rugby that could teach me, so I had to go to Warwickshire. And then I sort of outgrew the Warwickshire guy, and then I had to go to London once a week on a Friday. And I um, I missed school on Fridays to go and have flute lessons in London, which meant that I was like, well, if I don't have to go to school on Fridays, so that I became a bit of a nightmare. Uh, before I went to music school, when I was still in the state system, I couldn't give a fuck. I was like nothing else interested me i'm only interested in my music classes I, and and i don't have to come so why should i come and i just used to use fake forged letters instead of saying i was doing stuff and no one ever questioned it and i just wasn't doing things i just didn't go just didn't go to school yeah i'm gonna <laughs> so did the other aspects of school not interest you you were so I was focused bored. on the music I was absolutely bored out of my brain mm. and 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 it was so interesting that as soon as i got the opportunity to go into the private sector where they don't have to where they don't have to follow a curriculum and they can actually do stuff you know it was it was just so interesting it was like I absolutely just felt felt at home because I was doing um this this specialist music school you do normal lessons in the in the mornings and then every afternoon mm. is music mm. every single afternoon yeah. so every single afternoon I was challenged and I was doing aspects of music which I now use every single day. So one of the things I did there was music technology. And that is something I wouldn't be doing. I, 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 I use music technology every single day now to do my job. Mm-hmm. And I'd never have got that in the state system. I would never have learned to, so, you know, so I feel incredibly fortunate to have 
been able to have got the got the place got the funded place that I did to to get there because otherwise I think I'd have just just been someone with incredibly average grades and and just mm. been labelled as a bit of a bit of a difficult person rather than someone that was just bored <laughs> because there wasn't anything for me. Yeah, it's good that you ended up, you've sort of found your place and sort of found the thing that suited it. But it's, it's so hard, so many kids don't and yeah, so many adults don't. It's like, it's, yeah. it's difficult. It's really difficult because I think people often don't know why or people don't, I think now. I think nowadays people do look more deeply into problematic behaviours and try and work them out because I, I don't think back then people mm. did really actually. Yeah, like, yeah. It just sort of moved on. Yeah, just like let you fall by the wayside. And I think that people are, are much more, um, much more open to dissecting people, you know, dissecting their own yeah. problems and then also helping others to dissect theirs, I guess. It's sort of generational, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think schools are more aware of that. I mean, I've got kids going through secondary school and, you know, there's a lot more pastoral care and stuff now, but I'd still say there's a lot of, issues around and that's this is more of a governmental thing the fact that stem subjects are so pushed and creative subjects are really very lightly brushed yeah. away um and there's just feel like you know there's probably so many children who aren't academic in you know in the traditional sense and you know I wasn't academic at secondary school and I wish I'd found some of the creative things that I'm into now mm. earlier but I just didn't have the opportunities and I think you know there's an awful lot of children that that don't get the opportunities um to, do, to to pursue creative arts and performing and whatever it might be that they're into. So yeah, it's a real shame. That, that, I mean, that's again, that's something that we is a problem with our with our education system. It is. Um, I like the I like the way you said you outgrew those flute teachers as well. Like, I feel that sort of like um, sort of karate kid. Like I have nothing left to teach you. <laughs> Go on into the world. That's uh, what a what a a weird thing. That's a weird weird thing to get really good at. I don't. I barely play the flute at all now. It's bizarre. Yeah, but it got you. It got you into this career. I like the way Mm. you're like not going to school, Vicky. Why not go to school? Fuck you guys. I'm gonna be the world's number one flute player. (laughs) I know. I don't need you. I'm really badly behaved at school because I was good at the flute. Like that just. Doesn't, doesn't fit, does it? Do you not, look guys, do you not <laughs> realise how good I am at flute? <laughs> You'll be sorry. You'll all be sorry. <laughs> when you see me on top of the pops playing my flute. Oh, man. But it set you on the, it set you on the right path, I think you know, even if you don't play the flute. Yeah, anymore. it did. It's, it did. It and and sometimes right I play path. the flute now in pantomime for a laugh. And then nobody ever, like, nobody ever thinks it's real. Everyone's like, why have you got that weird bit where you mime the flute? And I'm like, I'm not miming. How dare uh, you? Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Into school's flute champion. <laughs> 1998. Yeah. Oh, it's 97, man. actually. So when did you come back to doing, like, because obviously... Piano is the thing that you're mm. kind of more known for doing now, and particularly in your comedy. Um, yeah, when did you come back to playing piano? Well, there, there was a weird... So at this school, uh, it's called Wells Cathedral School, at this school, uh, one, of the, one mm. of the points of the day, one of the things it really teaches you is about the amount of practice you need to do. So built into your day was um, between an hour and two hours in the morning of 
flute practice and then another two hours in the evening. So it would be kind of be between seven and nine before school. Um, I was, uh, sometimes they'd run out of practice rooms and I would have to go into the lounge of the Bishop of Bath and Wells's house <laughs> and play long <laughs> notes for two hours. Thrilling. And then in the evening... Was he ever yeah, around? Yeah. But it was just, just like, he was like, he through. donates his lounge to the flute. Um <laughs> He's sitting there, he's sitting there just reading the paper. Yeah, and then of... in the evenings, you do between six and eight practice of uh, pieces and other stuff. And me and a friend who is also now a composer would sneak into each other's rooms and write songs. And we weren't meant to. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So we... So, Sacrilege. Yeah, and so that's where it's all kind of started. Like, I played the piano and I kept you know, I kept the skills up whilst I was there. It wasn't my first instrument, it was my second instrument. But that's kind of where I started, where I started writing. Mm. We started songwriting and there was, there was the equipment there for us to record it and just to be experimental. And it was funny because, like, there was these people, it was people's jobs to go around the practice rooms and check that everyone was practising. And nobody ever came in and told us off. Do you know what I mean? Like, nobody ever went... Get back in there and play your Mozart. It was never, <laughs> it was never quite like that. So yeah, so that and so I started writing then, but then, but then put it all put it all to bed a bit because at the same time I'd got I got into the National Youth Music Theatre as a flute player, but I was given an on stage role as a sort of on stage flute player, and that was the that was the drug that was the gateway drug into. No longer, like the flute was then not enough because mm. I was on stage playing. Because uh, normally yeah. you the flute, the flute is like you're not even at the front of the orchestra. You're at the back of an orchestra. Uh, you know you are you are very much a you you know you're you're a bit of you do get some lead lines every now and again, but you're a supporting supporting role. And as soon as I got yeah. this on stage thing, I was like, oh oh dear, this is <laughs> um, yeah. And and that that was really the that was really the the downfall of it all. Um, and I started doing other other roles for the National Youth Music Theatre um, on stage, a second on stage flute role. And then uh, uh, the third time I auditioned for them, I didn't have a flute role at all. I was just in Oklahoma. I didn't, you know, I was just had a role in it. And then, and then I didn't, I didn't end up going to study flute at music college, which was the plan. And I got a place, and I didn't take it. I mean, you can imagine how cross uh, the parents are about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> after all that <laughs> after all that um and i i went to i went to uh, i started drama school uh on an actor musician course at a place called rose bruford but i didn't like it so i just i stopped um I, I, yeah just didn't 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 fancy it and then i ended up doing a postgrad in musical theater at the royal academy of music so i got to the royal academy of music in the end <laughs> I went there and I went to I went to music college, but it wasn't on the flute. It was as a musical theatre performer. So I ended up ended up with a really odd set of skills. <laughs> yeah, well, unique set of skills to borrow famous phrase. Why did I, why did I say that? And um, but you're still being you know even going back to to sneaking into rooms and playing your own songs and stuff. You're still being creative. You know, you're still mm. it's still a form of creativity, even if it's not like long notes on the on the flute long notes on the flute and you were always going to get there you were always going to scratch that creative itch anyway so yeah i think i I think so i mean uh, the i suppose the only thing i i never ever at any point on this ever wanted or thought about being a writer or being even when i was composing songs in Mm. that room that was never like writing wasn't going to be my job 
I, I, I don't know what I ever thought my job was going to be. I just went from the next thing to the next thing. And pretty much now, especially now, pandemic times, all I'm doing is writing absolute like song factory at the moment, um, which I like. I like. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's funny to have, you know, be doing a thing for a job that I didn't set out to do. I never studied for it. But the set of skills, the set of skills that I have mean that I can really do the job well. Mm. Why, why aren't flute people... The only time I can think of a flute, flute person, flautist, flute, is it flaut? Is that what it is? Flautist. Flautist. I'm going to stick with flute person. Yeah. I think it sounds yeah. better. Flute the people. Flute they people, sound like yeah. an alien the race. Oh no, it's the flute people. Yeah. yeah. The only time I can think of a flute person being front and centre is in Anchorman. I can't think of any other. Yeah. Well, there's there's James. Yeah, that really James brought it to the. He was he yes, was a James very Galway, very yeah. famous flute player. When Henry Mancini. Yeah, did a, I did a bit, bit of flute. I met well. James Galway a few years ago. It was a very weird encounter. Did you? Yeah, I was interviewing him. Was, I was it? Interviewing him at the proms. I had a short-lived uh, couple of years working at the proms where they let me do some really mad stuff. <laughs> and then someone went, "You shouldn't employ for the match. It's <laughs> too mad. It's too mad for the proms." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the, the, this is the proms. What are you doing? Um, and it was a brilliant, brilliant two years. Uh, but so I interviewed James Galway, but I knew that on the next day I was re- interviewing Rick Astley. So I thought that for the programme, what I'd do... Quite a segue. Yeah, what I'd do for the segue is ask James Galway. i take my flute along and ask James Galway if he wants to play a flute duet. And I'd, and I'd arranged never going to give you up as a flute duet. Oh, so I was basically rickrolling James Galway <laughs> to then segue, in, segue into an interview yeah. interview with Rick Astley. Amazing. So I'm, I, I, I turned up for this interview. The producer didn't know that I'd hidden a flute and the sheet music to never going to give you up in my bag. <laughs> so oh, I, so I, I interview James Galway normally and then I sneak this in at the end of the interview and, 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 and so James Galway gets his flute out of his suitcase. I get my flute out and we do it. And and he he was like, he I'm going to do a terrible impression of him. He's like, I've not sight read anything in twenty in you know in thirty years. You 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 you'll have to be the <laughs> yeah. first flute. So I was the first flute. He wouldn't play the first flute part. He played the second flute part. And it actually took quite a few goes to get it right. But we cut all the practicing mm. out the podcast. Yeah. Uh, out the program, and so uh, we, we play this. We play this. Never going to give you up. It was great. And um, his wife uh, is she's this American lady. She was in the corridor. She's like, Jimmy, we got dinner reservations. We gotta go. And he, and he was like, give, give me a minute. And he starts to get flute head joints out of his suitcase. And it was like, try this, Vicky, and passes me this head joint. And I put it onto my flute. I'm like, oh, that's lovely. It's gold. How nice. And his wife's like, dinner, Jimmy, come on. <laughs> and, he, and he gets another head joint out of his suitcase. He's like, try this one. It's, And I try another head joint. I'm like, I'm sort of like looking at his wife going, sorry. Um, and about four more head joints come out of his suitcase. And his, uh, and then they're the bits that just a head joint is just the head bit. So you can, sw- they're yeah, sort yeah. of swappable for flutes. And then just when you think his wife's about to explode and he puts his flute away, he then gets out a tin whistle and starts playing the hornpipe. And his wife is literally boiling with rage. And you can tell that this is something that happens all the time. He's trying to go to dinner and he gets every flute he owns out of his suitcase. And then just before he goes, I also took with me my 1997 uh, it's a, it was a purple book and it had James, a picture of James Galway on the front and it was uh, flute music by French composers and it was 
James Galway's edition of flute music by French composers. And I took this 90s edition book and I was like, will you sign it? And he, and he signed it. And I was like, oh, that's a really sweet thing. Oh. And then I realised that as his, as his wife was getting more and more irate and he was packing his flutes away, he packed it. So I don't have that anymore. Oh. <laughs> he has it. He has his own he has, copy. He has his own signed copy of my 90s edition no. of of uh, James Galway Flute Music by French Composer. Is, well, is, he, is he still with us, James Galway? He is, yes. C- he can is. we put... We should get it, get it back to you. We should put the word out, no? We start I a campaign, you mean? <laughs> it's it, it's fine. It's... Or a replacement, a replacement copy you know, of some you know, sort. It, it's fine, it's fine. I've got a, li- I've got a little stack of flute music up, um, up on the shelf and it's it's all right, I can, I can live with that. You never know, he might get that out and remember that really weird interview I did where I played Rick Astley <laughs> on the flute. It might be a real well, source I, of... I don't think... He knew it. He didn't know it was Rick Astley. He had no idea what the tune was. <laughs> so it worked then? You got him yeah. to do it? Oh, that was yeah. that was just a cu- couple of weeks before my divorce papers came through <laughs> from my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That's amazing. Oh, he is well known. I remember watching... Uh, of a, like a raw, I'm sure he's been on many raw variety performances, but I do remember one from the 80s that he was on with Henry Mancini, and they did a they, mm. they did the Pink Panther tune like as a duet. Um, and it was very nice. I think I was always keen on the flute. Annie's song is his hit. I think. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. 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 This has gone. This has gone really tangenty, hasn't it? It's it's on brand for us. It's very on brand for us. It's kind of what we do. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's very much on brand for us. I don't really have a follow up question either. I don't really know where to go. <laughs> no, on. and it's like, where'd you go? <laughs> well, I, well, I'm gonna we'll, we'll segue into comedy. I mean, how did was comedy always something that you were into? Was you know? I mean, sort of. I watched a lot of comedy as a kid, so I was very much brought up on like I, I remember the VHS, the blue and the brown VHSs of, uh, VHIs? No, uh, VHSs <laughs> of Faulty Towers. So the two, the two cassettes of yes. those and me and my brother would watch them over and over and over again. And I think that you did that then, like without access to much stuff, mm. you just watch the same things over and over and over again. Um, yeah. which I don't think people do so much, I guess. Um, and yeah, it was really very much kind of brought up on that end of things humor wise people presume that uh i must have been a very big victoria wood fan but i didn't come across until later on because my parents that wasn't what my parents were into so i think as mm. as a kid you're only really mm. back then you're only really into what what your parents bought on vhs <laughs> you know and then put it put it yeah. in the machine um but but yeah so when i was studying musical theater hadn't thought about comedy up, up until that point um in musicals there were it's it it used to be very, very prescriptive as to what you look like, as to what your casting is. So I was never going to be the lead in musicals. So they they try and help you get get together like audition material that's suitable for your casting. And my casting is in musical theatre, comedy best friend, and that's a really standard role for many, especially older musicals. It's like you have the you have the leading lady, and she's not multifaceted. Like she is a one-dimensional character, and then she has a best friend that's nearly always a dick, 
and it's like <laughs> it's true though like that's literally most like most musicals um and so i was always singing those roles so i was always playing the comedy best friend and when i when i graduated i was i had auditions and i was seen for i was sort of 20 years old being seen for madame Thenardier in les mis far too young for that um and so mm. I started to, I, and I realised that I wanted to sing and be funny. I was like, oh, actually, I really like this place. Like, I can really do this. I can really sing and be funny. But was frustrated that no one was casting me. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not just going to sit around and wait. So I wrote some comedy songs. And, and then I was like, where do I perform these? And there was two options, was the cabaret circuit and the stand-up circuit. So I did both. Yeah. And then it just turned out that the stand-up circuit was easy to, easy to get on. And, uh... And also it was easy to progress through as a woman with decent decent enough material. Um, because I think at the time when I started, there was very, very few female headliners. It's changing. It's changing and has changed. Mm-hmm. But I progressed, I think I progressed faster than uh, perhaps a male counterpart might have done because there was the gaps. I, 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 was was there much musical comedy around at the time? Because I've, I've sort of been told that... that um... Because I do a bit of musical comedy as well. It's not nowhere near as good. Um, but the audiences love it if you can if you can tell jokes and it's like they separate skills. So if you get on stage mm-hmm. and sing, like, oh, they're a great singer. If you get on stage and tell jokes, oh, they're a good comedian. If you do both, audiences are like, oh my god, they can do. Yeah, and what was nice about what I did is that I immediately became a sort of as soon as I learned how to do it, I became a regular closer, I became a regular circuit headliner because I've got you know the songs close a gig they're sort of they're hard to follow it's you know if you've got the rhythm of a night mm. like taking i've got some really big songs i've got you know my, my stand-up set is well paced so like the big belty numbers are at the end and trying to bring on an act to go back to stand-up after that you, you need a break you know this it's not a great thing for pacing a show so i ended up being being at the end of shows and that was great but it yeah, helps audio- also that you are Good at good at music as well because like, I've seen a lot of musical comedy where that's probably most most of mine where they're, they're not as they're not trained but I think if you are then you can because there's there's, there's 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 a difference between someone coming out and doing a bit of musical comedy it's like if you go out and you take a piano or you take a guitar the audience is like well they better be good but then if you yeah. are then you nail those expectations yeah. and you sort of tick all those boxes mm. I think you almost can't go wrong yeah you i i think i think that's i think that's fair and and what's interesting now is that obviously i that i started writing just comedy songs and didn't really write anything else other than comedy songs for ages and now i'm writing musicals that's mainly what i want to do and it's what i'm doing pretty much full time now is writing musicals and it's really nice to not have to try and be funny all the time because when you're Mm. i think writing for songs for stand-up and comedy clubs and not just any comedy not just like nice cabaret comedy clubs but there's you know where you really cut your teeth and make your money is those proper like saturday night we you know leave a gap and we'll throw a bit of chicken at you type of (laughs) comedy clubs um which i don't really do anymore but i think you learn lessons there about um about making sure your lyrics like I suppose it's like getting your lyrics down to the lowest terms. So I learned about writing and cutting the flab and just getting yeah. it down, da- getting the jokes down, 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 down. And I learned that skill because of stand up. I think if I didn't do stand up, my songwriting would be really flabby because I wouldn't have learned to be so brutal about cutting stuff. And I think the cutting stuff was because of stand up. 
because you can't actually i don't think in a in a in a normal in, in edinburgh is different but in a stand-up environment designed for like saturday night comedy club stuff you can't really have much pathos they won't let you not be funny for too long you, you know you can't have that light and shade mm. uh, and certainly not as a woman either especially when i was doing the headlining stuff it's like that you have got to be just on it and and also they don't they i think that you're not allowed to like fail in the middle of your set either yeah. you've just you've got to be bang on the whole time otherwise like oh dear yeah the girl's not made it yeah. you know and so and so yeah and but i think because of because of all that pressure i ended up becoming pretty good at, at songwriting because of it yeah no i think you're right i think audience i think as a female act, you have to work doubly hard to sort of get an audience on side and, and keep them on side. Um, which, yeah, but but the editing thing is right. I mean, just that's just good advice for any 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 creative form. Like, just get cut the flab and get to the crux of it really quickly. I think. Yeah, but I think the pressure of stand up makes you because I think unlike any other art form really at all with stand up. There is a literal measure of success instantly in front of you. It's not the same in a play. It's like if you're watching a play that's meant to be emotional, it's not guaranteed, even if you feel emotional, that you'll cry. Like crying or not is not a measure of success yeah. of that show. Or but actually being engaged with it isn't a measure of success of that show. And so I think with stand-up and with comedy, and I think this is where it becomes a difficult relationship with things like critics is that that person there literally has to, you have to make them laugh. Mm. You have, you know, it, it's a con, mm. that's the contract you have with your audience is that you will experience this one emotion. And if you don't, then you, the performer, have somehow failed. But I think in any other genre, that's not, that's not the case. You're, you're allowed a lot more, you're, you're allowed, your audience is allowed to, allowed to behave differently and it not be considered a failure. Yeah. I guess that's where Edinburgh differs because then you have a longer time with them so you can mm. make them feel more emotions. They almost expect yeah. it sometimes, don't they? And you're allowed pathos in Edinburgh, mm. but you take that show out on tour and you're not really allowed it again because it's a different expectation. Because in, in, in the middle of it, it's, like, it's why people, um, it's why there's, there's a terrible phrase uh, that, uh, that exists in Edinburgh and it's called the dead dad show. And it's the comedy shows that are about dads dying. And I've done one. And I think mainly it's because dads die, dads tend to die first. That's why dead, dead dad shows are a genre. And they tend to, they tend to probably, if they die, if they've died sooner than you might have liked and you're a stand up, you're going to talk about it. Mm. Um, and I think that that's why there are so many of them because it's probably just more frequent that people that are in the middle of their stand-up careers in the 30s that lose their dads, it becomes such a big event that you can't not talk about it. So, yeah, I did a I did a dead dad show and uh, and it was, it was really well received and it, I really, really liked it, but it wasn't a piece of stand-up. It was a piece of theatre, really. It was listed as stand-up because that's what you, you have to do, really, as, mm. as, a, as a comedy performer. Um but it it, it but then becomes difficult to tour because people's expectations are different, uh, especially like in like regional houses that aren't known for putting on putting on like really different types of stuff. Um, there is an expectation that when you rock up at 
market town art centre car park that only really has touring stand-ups come in yeah. um, that you're and they don't know you but they're coming yeah. they just want they, they've got a babysitter and they just want to laugh yeah. so you almost, you almost have to kind of adapt adapt your show for the environment that you're in I, I was always a great believer in um, after I'd done that show my pre, my subsequent tours were just a good night out um, because I, I, I wanted to give that to people. I think that you can get a bit lost as a performer, wanting to create art for different reasons. Yeah. And also with theatre as well, it's like, oh, I want this to move people and I want yeah. to affect change. And, and actually right now, I just want I want to create theatre that makes people have a really nice time. Yeah. And I think that's really not cool. Mm. But, but it, yeah, but it's needed. I think it is needed. And yeah. I think people I think people actually forget yeah. that like I, I use my boyfriend's parents as an example of uh, audience like a, you know, like people don't tend to write much theatre for just normal people and people that will only go maybe twice or three times a year and it's expensive and it's a big big treat. It's a huge treat and it involves getting a train into the city centre yeah. and a meal and wine and you'll spend almost as much as a mini break. Do you know what I mean? On a night at the theatre, and you want to, you you want to have a really nice time, yeah. Rather than actually like be challenged and and I know there is a place for challenging theatre, but I think there's a mm. huge place for stuff that just entertains and delights and makes people have a big old smile on their face. I totally agree, but if but if the people that want the challenging stuff, I can't see myself on screen, so I hope my um anyway, I'm still framed. Or, um, <laughs> is the people that want challenging stuff will like that. But the people below might not like that. Below, that's I've used that wrong. But, you know, people put the fun night out. But the people that mm. want that stuff will still like that stuff. Does that make, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. Have I explained that yeah. well? I don't know if I have or not. But it's funny because because like, I'm like working in theatre now, like almost full time, and there is there is a complete obsession, I think, within the industry about like trying to just push the boundaries of yeah. you know and uh, i don't know it's, I'm just it's, not into um, it. it's so it's almost like serendipity you've come on this week actually because i'm i'm trying to write my first solo stand-up show for mm. brighton fringe i've got two two nights in june and i haven't got a fucking clue what i'm doing i keep every day it changes i keep i've been thinking i need to make it poignant somewhere I need to it's about being a dad like being a new dad <laughs> um it's obviously been done a lot but now i'm thinking fuck it just make it a laugh just make it fun i don't know it, it depends i mean everybody does that like the the the, the standard formula is laugh 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 40 minutes poignant laugh yeah. laugh 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 yeah. that is the that's that that is the standard almost like that's an that's an edinburgh thing and everyone feels a pressure actually to hit that 40 minute poignant point and i would i suppose i suppose like you only really need to be doing that if it feels like it comes organically like i wouldn't actually aim for mm, that yeah. because obviously because you're you're the main purpose is laughs, and if you can, if you can weave in more pertinent points and stuff that makes people think, and then it eventually makes them feel. But I think, I think that should that 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 will probably come anyway, rather than like be something to to aim for. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a tricky one. It is. Well, it's a poignant subject for you, isn't it? Because you know, and it's also recent. You know, so you're it's going to be in there. And I think in sometimes in these situations you have to 
kind of listen to your gut a little bit how you, how you're feeling while you're you're pr- processing what you Yeah, well I was feeling incredibly well. anxious this morning. So I just <laughs> just dive into the anxiety. I'm sure that'll be Have you, Have you got uh, any previews? nope. I haven't. I've got a couple of club nights booked in, but no no preview nights or anything. It's it's a really it's a really god, I get such anxiety when I start an Edinburgh show. So normally normally I have the first preview in about the February and uh, I book it in like before I've even written anything. Well normally at that point I'll have written the title because you have to write like, in a non pandemic year you have to come up with a title and the blurb in about January and then like you have no idea what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I just I just got really like generic titles for <laughs> stuff. Um I've had I've had show what I have a show, show called Songbird. <laughs> I had one weird preview where I bought an eagle costume and dressed as a bird whilst people came in and I was like, that is weird and I'm not doing that again. <laughs> that, was, that was an active waste of £65 um, on the eagle costume. <laughs> Got to try these things, though. Got to try these things. <laughs> Terrible. But yeah, so you, you and you just preview it a lot so it's like shit for ages and you feel terrible because people have to watch it be shit. It's awful. Well, yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> I mean, it's, I've built it as work in progress anyway, so I think I guess they, they kind of it is these these nights are preview nights. But yeah, I I know it. It's almost like I know it's going to be a complete mess. So I don't know if you just like, sort of accept that and then sort of work through it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I think that. I think that. I think honesty is a good policy sometimes. You know, if you're genuine with what you're doing and saying, I think people will we'll see what that. happens. Yeah, I always I always tell work in progress audience members that they're a bit like rubberneckers on a motorway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a 55-minute car crash. Exactly. <laughs> oh. But yeah, we'll see what happens. But also, it's just... It's, it's, it's just just so desperate to get on stage again and just weirdly i'm not really Mm, yeah i'm people keep messaging me about stand-up gigs and i'm just not replying to them which is i know very rude but i because i don't i actually don't i'm avoiding replying because i don't have an answer Really? Like, I don't know if I want to do your gig in this theatre in blah. Mainly because I've spent the whole of the pandemic writing other stuff. I've not written any new stand-up. And I would feel a complete fraud going out after all this time mm. and doing the same material that I did last February. And and so much has changed and I've got nothing new. I've written nothing for myself. I've written, mm. like, I've written loads of... I've written complete musicals and I've written... An obscene amount of other material for other stuff, but I've written no new stand up, and I just cannot see myself standing on stage and churning out the stuff that I was doing last February and feeling good about it. Yeah, that's fair. Even if even if the audience did just have a good night, and it was, I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. But I also, I also, and this is a a comedy thing. Is that you'd start? I don't want my peers to see that either. Yeah, and, and and but equally, I don't want to write new stand up, so I'm a, I'm in a bit of a I'm in a bit of a catch twenty two, I guess. With it, it's like I, I I can't do it without new material, and I don't want to write new material. <laughs> so, but that won't be forever. <laughs> that yeah, that that change at some point, and you can't you just can't force it, can you? You just that happen no. that will happen when it happens. 
I think it's also difficult, I think, I think it's difficult to write material for an industry that currently, right this second, doesn't exist. Yeah. I think when it opens again, I can mm. see people gigging and you can physically see that it's worth it. I think it's, I think it's very hard. It's also stand-up's reactive and, and you can, I think it's the medium where you can very quickly turn around like, thoughts and ideas. Like, there isn't another form that you can react quicker, I think, in terms of, you know, in terms of topical and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so I suppose once it starts again, I might start to get jealous and be like, oh, I better write some new songs. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen. I'm sure it'll happen. But, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird time. It's, uh... Again, I'd have a follow-up question. I'm, I'm I'm performing very, very poorly on this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, um, getting into the TV stuff, was that was that fun to start doing TV work? Yeah, TV's fun. Um, mainly TV's fun because uh, there's a lot of fuss. People, like, fuss about you and you look amazing and I always feel like, of course I look amazing. A professional has spent 90 minutes on my face and hair. Like, I don't even spend five. So, of course, it's like, oh, my God, I feel so good. I'm on television. And I look great. Yeah. Um, and also, like, somebody else has chosen your clothes some of the time. It's like, yes, that's, that's, that's why. Um, I, I, I like telly. I've had a lot of opportunities and my dog is really annoying me with my bar- with his barking. He's, there's, the neighbours are having a, an outdoor office built and he just barks at like every hammer. So he's like, <laughs> like, like, it's been going on for weeks. He thinks there's someone at the door. There's no one at the door. Anyway, but with, with telly, with telly, it's, it's a really tough game to really crack. So I've done lots of bits, yeah. but I'm definitely not somebody that you'd recognise as being off the telly. Um I've had some quite fun jobs. I've been the standby quite a few times. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah. Have you? So lots of programmes have a standby where if somebody is ill, you are ready and in your makeup, ready to go on. So one of those programmes that I was a standby for was Let's Sing and Dance for Comic Relief, you know, when you have to prepare a dance. So I was literally a spare and I prepared a whole dance routine and I had to go to Elstree every single Sunday, get dressed up as Katy Perry. um, (laughs) And I never got to do it. I never got to do it. Uh, That that was a weird moment because there was a a point in that where they were doing camera tests and the show, the the dance started with me sat on a chair and someone went, oh, I think we're going to have to airbrush your knees. There's a lot. There's a lot of like, like because I don't think my knee sag looked good in HD, and I was like, oh my god. And I wish, I wish I'd had the confidence to go. You're not airbrushing my knees. Yeah. I'm going to have knee sag, uh, but I didn't because you let some. But that's the problem with I think with lots of these things is that you yeah, just yeah. you go, oh god, yes, I don't want my knees to look shit. Please airbrush my knees. Um, but it's the most unnecessary piece of, uh, you know, like they take they literally take this foundation spray paint. And sprayed my knees. Oh, my word. <laughs> yeah. Just your knees? Like, just the yeah, surrounding you, area Well, the spread. thighs obviously looked all right. I wore this sort of leotard type thing. Yeah. And I was sat yeah, down. Yeah. And obviously, I've, I've just got slightly... I don't know why. I've just got slightly, like, discoloured knees. It's fine. I'm, really it's par- knees. I'm wearing shorts. I'm really paranoid about my knees yeah. now. Do you know what I mean? There's just sort of a bit of red and grey. Uh, it's fucking it's knees. Mine are red and grey as well. <laughs> it's knees, yeah. It's not supposed to be. I know! <laughs> But I let somebody like look at my knees on screen and go, oh, uh-oh. 
British public ain't gonna like that. If you have to go you're, on, you're gonna you get, have to go on. Your knees you're need to be raised. You're gonna get so trolled over those knees. Twitter yeah. pile on about yeah. knees. So, wow. so yeah. Did you see Mickey Stein's knees? I mean, exactly. But they wouldn't need me doing that because if, if I actually got on telly, people would be going, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> that is the that is the issue. Rather than my knees. <laughs> oh wow, that's uh. That's weird. But is it something you'd like to do more of? Yeah, of course, because it's telly. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, I, and, and I do I do bits. Like, I do... I, I end up... I think I end up doing, yeah. like, a few telly bits a year. I've done... The thing that I do a lot of is those Channel 5 Talking head shows where they count down things. Oh, I do absolutely yeah, yeah, loads. Yeah. And I... Like, you know, the 50 greatest. I think I've... I, I think like I've done shows, 50, at least, 50, 50 greatest. <laughs> wow. Oh. Can they do... They should do 50... Of the best they should. of those shows. Or I should just cut my 50 performances up and count them down. My yeah, own they should really do greatest. like 50 greatest celeb knees because I think you'd be you'd they be should. ideal I'd for be, that. I'd, I'd be in there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but I really like those programs mainly because I mean, what I I did I it was maybe last year or the year before I did uh, Britain's greatest Britain's favorite cleaning products. <laughs> Britain's favourite really? crisps. Yeah, Britain's favourite cleaning product. There was 50, was there? I, don't, I missed that No, one. no, no, no. They did, it wasn't 50. Okay. I, th- I think they only managed about 14 or something. But the, but but like it, each cleaning product was under, you know those like butlers, like silver things that like butlers <laughs> yeah. used to present? Oh, yeah, and so yeah. what you had to do is you had to sit there and I, you had to like reveal what it was. It was like, in at number one, it's bleach. <laughs> And then, then I just have to talk about bleach. And I can do that. I can talk, I can, you know, I can talk about, like it's like number four it's cleaning wipes uh, why that's on television i don't know but yeah i did britain's favorite crisps um i forget i forget what the yeah crisps now i can get on board with that more one sense. more i think Brit- britain's favorite cereal that was uh crunchy nut loops mm. that's no crunchy nut no crunchy nut really? yeah that makes crunchy nut cornflakes oh, okay yeah, yeah i can understand that uh, yeah yeah, I've done loads of them. The, the one that was the worst, and I didn't make the edit very much because I hadn't actually seen any of the films involved, was the 50 Greatest War films. And I suddenly realised, like, once I was on set, <laughs> I, haven't seen, I haven't seen any war films. <laughs> do, do, when you're doing, like, when they're um, filming for one, do they just do all of yeah. them at the same so, time? Like, yeah, yeah, so do, we did... Yeah. Um, what they'll do is they'll get you. They'll get you up. So we did crisps, cleaning products, sweets, and one other in one day. So you you do, you just you just run through these lists. Um, and yeah. I, I really like it. And I've learned now to. I've learned now how. So there's a skill to it. Is you have to. You have to if you slightly like narrate the clip that they've sent you and slightly describe the clip or describe the product. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. I. And, and they're yeah they're 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 fun to be in with the water. I, 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 they're actually quite fun to watch a lot. They, of well, they do. They're doing really. They do really good numbers in terms of telly. They're very cheap to make, and they get really big audiences because they're normally on. Uh, normally, on people get back from the pub and just uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah they're nostalgic, yeah. aren't they? And I the think time. that people people are either like putting on 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 demand something that they really want, or they're watching shit like that. Yeah. You know, I I, I think that yeah. the, sort of the, the the middle ground now, people watching like terrestrial telly that's broadcast. Are just looking for like slightly something slightly mindless. You're yeah. not looking for something challenging at that point. Yeah, and I would say it's like kind of yeah. background, background telly. Like it's what, while you're yeah. looking at your yeah. phone and looking on social media and whatever. We do that a lot. Yeah, we always yeah. looking for something quite a lot of mindless like while we're working or something or whatever. Mm. Um, with the war one, did you just kind of like sort of like blag it? Like, oh, I love the bit I where they had a big fight. That was so I did. good. I, I I suddenly 
The guns are amazing in that. A lot about I googled who was composing them and spoke about the music briefly. Oh Oh, yeah, nice. Hans Zimmer scored this, (laughs) and then that was all that would make the effort. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I I can't, I can't discuss anything else about these war films because. I I thought I sort of wonder like what the what what is happening in those writing rooms where they're coming up with these mad ideas. Um, what for these shows? Uh, well, I, I sort of I know the sort of companies that make them, and they just come up with yeah, just it's just literally like ideas, the craziest and then, thing, and, yeah. and then yeah, and then what they do is come up with the clips, and then you get sent the clips, and you have to pretend to reminisce. So I remember the bit, uh, but they've already sent you the bit that you're meant to remember. Yeah. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. You you could pit you could pitch like two best ever sort of best ever slash top fifty knees, top fifty <laughs> top fifty flute players. There's just one. There's literally Jeff Galway. A very short program. Jeff Galway. <laughs> no, there's you... Jethro Tull, isn't there? Right. There's two. Anchorman. There's yeah, Jethro Tull. Lizzo. Lizzo's done some really good flute stuff. In the oh, I have, yeah. I have bone to pick with Lizzo because... Oh, do you? You know the song... Uh, yeah, bound to be. Play That Sax. That is Lizzo, isn't yeah. it? Play That Sax. Play That Sax. Is that her? That is Lizzo, isn't it? Anyway, you know the, you know the song? You know the song, play. We'll, the, yeah. Oh my. Oh we'll wow. Take okay. your word you for it, Jim. You know the song, play that sax. Anyway, it's not a saxophone; it's a trumpet. <laughs> it's a trumpet. That's, that's always annoyed me. Um, but yeah. Well, why don't you write her a letter? I, I might do. <laughs> or Lisa. or write into BBC Points of View. <laughs> see if they'll uh, see if they'll take it up for you. I think I might have to now. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the only way to go forward now that I've. Why has it upset you? The, I'm not. Don't make me say it again, Giles. <laughs> it's, 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 it's basically it's because it's a trumpet, not a yeah, saxophone. Yeah, I realised halfway through today in the anecdote, uh, the, the, the punchline wasn't as strong as I thought. But so I was looking up on Spotify, and there's no reference to Lizzo being anywhere near a saxophone yeah, or or that song. I'll have to. I'll investigate and get so back to you guys. That's great. I won't actually. Mm. I won't actually. I I'm, I'm going to be on tender hooks for the rest of the day. I have to say. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, Vicky, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Thanks. It seems it feels like a quite a somber <laughs> now. Well, so that song wasn't Lizzo. That. That's we're done now. I swear it was. <laughs> yeah. um, Bye. <laughs> maybe the worst ending to a podcast ever. Um, what an anticlimax it's been. Apologies. Um, <laughs> I swear it was her. What, what you're doing there is, uh, is you're just like, you, you just twisted your clubber sized glow stick into your temples. Yeah, yeah so that, yeah. More just out of distraction yeah. to try and make you guys forget mm. that I talked about Lizzo and her non existent. Clearly, you can play a lot of instruments. Is, mm. is there one instrument you still want to pick up and try, or you've always wanted to and haven't, or is there one on your wish list um i would really like to and i suppose this this is I, when i've got a bit more time i can play a little bit of everything i think with given about a time i could get to grips with everything but i would like to have lessons and learn and be good at the cello um i think it's mm. beautiful but i don't think i have the patience right now like like the th- mm. i think the thing about string instruments uh, i can pick up most wind and brass because it's all pretty much the same techniques so it's all to do with embouchure lips and then breathing which you 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 apply to anything but think about strings and especially cello it's a hand position and a technique that Mm. i don't know a lot about and things Mm. like the the vibrato would take actual practice rather than blagging and i I suppose that's something for later in life when i feel like i've 
hopefully that like my, my, my retirement plan really is write something where I can live off royalties and then I'll learn the cello write a Christmas song write a Christmas <laughs> song and then yeah or yeah. something like Bugsy Malone that is licensed for the amateur market within an inch of its yes. life <laughs> and then I will I'll, 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 I'll become a recluse and play the cello <laughs> for pleasure it's a great plan it's a great plan <laughs> 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 I think that yeah that's us that's it we'll be very impressive with cello very impressive as well you could bring it out at dinner parties and stuff. It'd be. Right, I do like it's a lovely instrument. Yeah, exactly. Just to have it like kicking around in the lounge. Oh, this old thing. Oh, I can yeah. give it a little. Just in the corner. Yeah. Just a chair in the corner. Yeah. Oh, I'm a bit rusty. Yeah. A bit rusty, and then out comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it's such a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot, of, a lot of quite highbrow musical quotes in this. Yeah. I, ha- I know, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah my I'm, wife will I'm love this episode. Person. My wife will love this episode for two reasons. One, she loves you. And two, she's a trained musical theatre performer as well. So this is massively up her street, big time. So we've got one listener, Giles. We've got one confirmed. Oh, brilliant. Oh, that's great. That's actually one more than my proms podcast. So, uh... I'll get her to listen to that as well. And then it's one not, all. I definitely want to see the James Galway um is, is that available? Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, shortly, I think the the thing that tipped losing that job over the edge is they sent me to the BBC Two Proms in the Park to interview Steps. <laughs> and there's a video, there's a video online somewhere. You got to do all the all best the people. Rick Astley. Well, that's the trouble steps, is, you can't really send your average Radio Three presenter. You can't, you can't, you can't send them to go no. and interview Steps. Yeah. And so um, I also did the flute behind the back in the interview. <laughs> And then started playing five, six, seven, eight at the at the end of the Um And years later, I ended up doing panto with Lee from Steps. And I introduced myself. I was like, "Oh, we've actually met. I I played the flute at the proms." And he was like, "That was one of the weirdest interviews in my entire life." So what you don't realize, obviously, these people don't know you, and it's like that. That was, and they must have just gone, that was fucking weird. That was they, really, they must really, have so really yeah. odd. Where's our, where's our publicist? Where's the publicist? conversations <laughs> now or like WhatsApp messages? Do you remember that lady that played the flute to us in that interview? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've hid a flute behind her back, then played five, six, seven, eight. Never saw her again. <laughs> <laughs> BBC never sent her. <laughs> so the Look, lesson is kids. Formula, I, I love the idea of. It's... No, I think the le- I think the lesson is if what, anyone I... ever gives you a high profile gig as a presenter, don't hide woodwind because they're not going yeah. to employ you again. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I think this is a brilliant idea. You doorstepping celebrities <laughs> and just playing playing yeah, the flute just... for them. I, <laughs> yes, well, I'd, yeah. watch, I'd definitely watch that. <laughs> but apparently, apparently, oh, the, uh, the, the, the the corporation don't want that. So you know, they're right. lost. They don't like know what they're best. doing. Special to yeah. me. They don't know what they're no. doing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Vicky, it's been such a joy. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, guys. So it's my absolute nice. pleasure. Yeah. Oh, it's been amazing. Thank, thank you, you so much. Lovely. Well, there you have it. Again, trying something new. Um, Vicky Stone, what a legend. I mean, that was absolutely hilarious. Just a really, really enjoyable episode. Um, 
a wonderful person, wonderfully talented person. I mean, she's mm. unbelievably talented in in various forms, music and comedy, and just oh yeah, fantastic person. And you know, I for one am definitely going to go and download the tomato tomato one. I think it's called, isn't it? The port, the port, oh, the, the Pomodoro technique or whatever it's. Yes, I'm going to go and download that and, and try that out. See if that works for me when it comes to sort of writing the show and or writing in general. And, yeah, you sort of put putting tomatoes into numerical yeah. minutes. 25 per minutes tomato. per tomato. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to give it a go. So, yeah. yeah, so two hours is four tomatoes. No. That's, two hours yeah. is, yeah, four tomatoes because you've got your five minutes. Yeah. Break. Break. Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to, that was, that's a nice little takeaway from me as well. But, uh, and maybe we've got an open air swimming pool in Cheshire, which is really nice. So I, I, I don't know what their sort of rules are with COVID and stuff, but I think they are open up again. So I might try and, I don't know about cold water. I might go for sort of tepid water swim, possibly, and tepid water use that swim, as yeah. a sort That'll of still gateway. invigorate you. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, of course it will. Well, I, I yeah. So yeah, thank you, Vicky. I what a legend. So. I, um, I can't swim, Jim. You can't swim? No. So you can't go and do any cold water swimming. Or you no. could if it was. I can go paddling. I can go and paddle. Yeah. And that would still invigorate you. Wade, wade. That would still can wade. Yeah, in. that would still still invigorate, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I can't do it. very much. Our wonderful guest, Kevin Day. Um, I'm very like him. I can't drive. I can't swim. Mm. And um, support Crystal Palace. So, <laughs> like two peas in a pod. <laughs> Three of life's afflictions. <laughs> the three things that uh, people say there's no positivity yeah, there you've got to yeah. avoid all three of them and, you, and you'll be a normal human no wonder we're so miserable as well. has 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 not swimming ever come up or be you know what i mean or hindered you in some i can't imagine it would really oh it hindered me loads yeah the, the i've always wanted to be able to swim but no i, I think uh, when I would have had lessons as a kid, I think my mum was unwell, so I just never got... Yeah. Yeah, and then it just never, never got picked yeah. up and never... I remember doing it at primary school with a float. You know, I was able to do, like, a whip with a float, but um, beyond that, and then it becomes a thing. When you get older, the older you get, it's the more difficult it is to kind of be... I mean, I think if you, anyone's got... Ch- you know, same with our kids, we've... You know, they're, they're not strong swimmers, but they can swim... You know, to an extent, I think swimming lessons are pretty vital, actually. But um, there must yeah. there must be uh, groups for adults that would like to learn to swim somewhere, surely. Yeah, yeah. I need to. Um, um, it's one of those things. It's a, it's it's a bucket list yeah. thing I think, to to learn. To be a swim, good thing yeah. to do, though. Be good. I bet you'd feel sort of sense of achievement of sort of doing it. And to be honest, if there isn't, there should be groups for adults that want to do that sort of thing because then you'd be in a supportive group with other people, sort of feeling the same as mm. you. So which kind of be ideal i think i do have feelings of inferiority yeah, I, yeah. with regards to not being able to swim it's quite about it feels embarrassing saying it yeah well yeah i guess it's just one of these things it you assume. Be, no it shouldn't it be is. at all because there'll be loads of other people in the same situation but i guess it's one of these things you kind of assume that everyone does but of course everyone's experience yeah. is different so of course there's going to be people that yeah. don't I'm, I'm not a particularly strong swimmer like i don't i don't sort of not Sort of someone that hmm. sees the ocean or go to the beach and think, oh, I can't wait to get in the water. I'm more someone that will like yeah, dabble yeah. my feet and then take a photo, take one of those really crap photos of like your feet in the water, <laughs> and then go back and sit on the sit on the lounger. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think I'm. I reckon you should have a look, see if one there day, are some yeah. people that will be doing that sort of thing. Because uh, mm. I'd certainly think now as well, it'll be there'd be more people open to doing it. I think, or or groups and stuff and 
Yeah. I know, and it's one of those bizarre things because obviously I live by yeah, yeah. a quite large it's bit yeah, of water. Fairly big, yeah. Yeah, that's the true. English Channel, <laughs> and um, yeah, and um, yeah, I can't ever fully embrace it. Although I, you know, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. But uh, yeah, I guess I'd probably be more suited to a a more inland where I am. Place, We're miles away from water here. I don't, there's, there's none. Yeah. I think I love the water. Like love looking at it. Yeah, and I like going in it. Like I don't mind. I'm not averse to going in pools and and the sea, but I just can't kind of do anything in it. Yeah. Apart from walk. It's one of those things, isn't it? The older you get, they say sort of like things are harder to learn. Yeah. I think as a kid, you sort of just like will try anything. But I don't know if that's true. I, I, I think I think as adults, you can still do it. It's just maybe because you've been told you can't or it might be take longer and harder. But I kind of think if you if you really put your mind to it, I think probably anyone can do anything, really. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's, of course it's doable. You can. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, anything to do, isn't it? you know, it's not like that's it. It's not like you hit a certain age, and it's like your body like literally won't do that. Of course, it will. So these things are doable. Um, but yeah, I was about yeah. to say I'll teach you to swim, but actually, no, that'd be a terrible idea because I'm not, I'm not that good at it. <laughs> well, my, Michelle can swim, um, but yeah, I think we need to, it. One day, one day, when we're more wealthy, we'll <laughs> go to a, we'll hire a, a villa with a pool and yeah. I'll. When the yeah, patron money really kicks in. in. When the patron, yes, please sign up to <laughs> so the patron. Josh, what is it? Patron. Back so forward slash blank podcast. Please fund the the Giles to Swim yeah, campaign foundation. foundation. Yeah. Oh, we better not make um, it an official charity because then people will look into us and uh, that would get. Oh, uh, that's that true. Get, that's true. Yeah. That'll get dodgy. But, um. Yeah. Help to swim. <laughs> help Giles to swim campaign, and let's see if we can. That make that happen, but unfortunately, let's, let's see if we can make dreams exactly, come true. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, this sort of thing we can only do a Spanish villa. Uh, that's unfortunately yeah, that's just, that's the only way it can be done. So I can't do it. I'm, no, I'm not doing it at Lewis Leisure Centre. No, it's, well, it can't. Like legally, apparently, it can't be done. It has to be done. On no, the I've, that's what I've heard, so. which is why I've never learned exactly. because it has to be you done to... in. There's a certain certain type yeah, of water exactly. I can only do exactly. it in you have to yeah. sort of play by the rules here so anyway thank you to our patrons for signing up <laughs> we uh, we do appreciate <laughs> it and if you want to come on board you know we would love you there's there'll be extra content as well yeah. we'll, we'll we'll from the villa do a podcast by the yeah by the <laughs> yeah. pool um we'll do a podcast in the yeah. pool whatever you want underwater you know yeah. whatever we'll do we'll do yeah. <laughs> we'll do the pod everywhere Anyway, um, if, if you do want to get in contact... So shameless. Well, I have no shame. Um, if you do want to get yeah. in contact, uh, if you enjoyed this episode or other ones, uh, please do tweet us. Our Twitter handle is... At BlankPod. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. It's the exact same handle. And we have uh, an email address. We'd love an email. Literally an email. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do still have one of those. It is theblankpodcast2018 at gmail.com. It is indeed. And that's it. Thank you very much, Vicky. What a what a fantastic guest. Oh, it was a great episode. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Thank you, Giles. Mm. Thank you, Jim. Thank you to our patrons and uh and to our regular listeners. Oh, and all the other yeah, listeners. Exactly. Everyone. Literally. There's not there's no there's no class system within our listeners. No, groups. I wouldn't say that, but if but I know I know you're trying to push one. But if you if you had but... to ask me which of our listeners did I prefer <laughs> your favourite. I wouldn't I could, again would say none because obviously I would don't <laughs> I'm not classist. But yeah. um no anyway, we, we appreciate yeah. everyone that listens and interacts in whatever way you can. It's uh, it's lovely. Yeah, look, come on, we're 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 socialists, Jim. We're yeah, not. Exactly. Um, we're all equal. Yeah, we're not. We're not. We're all, we're all equal. Just that some patrons are more equal than others. 
<laughs> numbers. That's just the way it goes. Anyway, thank you for listening. Yeah. Have a great week. Stay safe, and we'll see you again very soon. Bye. Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.